Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. Praise the Lord, everybody. The 103rd Psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities and who healeth all thy diseases. Thankful to know there's no sickness that God can't heal. No disease that He cannot cure. No problem that He cannot fix. No addiction He cannot break. No sin He cannot forgive. No soul He cannot save. What a great, big, wonderful God that we serve. And what a privilege it is to be in Columbia. We've been uh, looking forward to this set of meets, this set of services for quite some time, and we have come with anticipation in our heart, ready to see what the Lord is going to do. And so we give honor to your fine pastor and his family. How many love your pastor? Anybody thankful for the leadership in your life? And if you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of St. Matthew, the 12th chapter. We're going to begin at verse number one, and we're going to read down to verse number six, and also going to read verses 40 through 42, the same 12th chapter of Matthew. And as you're turning there, I want to say how much I appreciate my lovely wife and my son Shiloh. Just a couple of months ago, we celebrated 10 years of marriage, and so she's been putting up with me for a decade now. But it was back in February in 1955 in West Ridgeland, Washington, there was a man by the name of Clinton Lacey, and he stood up to preach, and when he concluded his sermon, history had been made. Reverend Lacey had preached for 48 hours and 18 minutes, the longest sermon ever recorded. And I see a lot of nervous faces, and all I've done is tell a story. 48 hours, he must have had something to say. But I'm under the impression of what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, the Lord can do a quick work. So we're not going to be 48 hours. We won't be 48 minutes. But I tell you this, if you open your heart, God could do something in your life. Can you say amen? Matthew chapter 12, verse number 1. And the word of the Lord tells us this. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God to eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. 
Jesus said, in this place there is one greater than the temple. Now verse number 40 of that same chapter, Jesus picks back up and he says for as Jonas or Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold a greater than Jonah is here the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Jesus said in verse 6, he said, there's one greater than the temple. Verse 41, he said, there's one greater than the prophet. And verse 42, he said, there's one greater than the king. And that's what I want to preach to us on tonight. I want to speak to us on this subject. Greatness has finally arrived. Greatness has finally arrived. Would you lift your hands? Would you raise your voices? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus God, your presence is already here. You've anointed the singers and you've anointed the musicians. And we're asking now that you would speak to us from your word. Speak with certainty and clarity and conviction. And we give you praise and thanks in advance. We pray in the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. We're reading here in our text in this 12th chapter, the Gospel of St. Matthew, and we find that Jesus is teaching. And while he is still in the middle of his sermon, he looks at the disciples and he begins to recognize that they're getting hungry. It's usually a sign of a good preacher. You can tell when the people are getting hungry and you got to let them go. And Jesus kind of stopped his sermon just a little short and he began to look around at his surroundings and not far off he saw some stalks of corn and he goes over and he takes this corn and he begins to pass it out to all the disciples who were there and just as soon as Jesus did that there were men that were watching and they got so upset angry and beside themselves that Jesus would do this and he would do it on the Sabbath day. Uh, we need to take a moment here and understand who these men were that got so upset. And they were simply known as Pharisees. These were individuals that were consumed with ceremonial customs. Their speech was regulated to religious rhetoric. Their vision was blinded by beautiful buildings. And the only thing that mattered to them was what was on the outside. And so Jesus began to point them in the direction of the temple. And no doubt he pointed and told them of the altar that you can kneel down and pray at. And, and the golden candlesticks that would shine ever so bright. But Jesus wanted them to understand that there is one that is greater 
than the temple. Uh, we have not come just simply to honor a building or a location or a place. The reason why we wear our nice clothes and the reason why we lift our hands and the reason why we support this facility is not the building itself. It's because we are giving honor to the one who is really great and he's greatly to be praised. Huh? And so he kept on in his sermon. We find him in verse 40. He begins to speak about a man by the name of Jonah. And Jonah, no stranger to Scripture. Even children hear his name mentioned in Sunday school. Jonah that had a call of God on his life to go and preach in the city of Nineveh. And history tells us that Nineveh was not a very welcoming city. They were not known to be very receptive to the prophets of the Lord. And matter of fact, they would even go so far to kill these men, kill these preachers. And then they would take their bones and hang them on the gates of the city as a warning to anybody else that thought they were big enough and bad enough to come and preach in Nineveh. And so when God called Jonah, he instantly said, no, God, you picked the wrong person for this job. You selected the wrong servant. You chose the wrong candidate. I cannot do what you have called me to do. And finds himself on a boat out on the water. And while he is on this boat, the scripture tells us that a storm began to rage and lightning began to flash and the rain began to fall until that boat began to rock back and forth. It got so dark, it got so bleak that the men on board the boat who were not believers, who were not religious men, said somebody has made God mad. I find it interesting that even those that were not trained in religion can tell when somebody was running from God. See, when you have a call of the Lord on your life, you are forever marked. No matter where you go, even those that don't attend church can tell there's something different about you. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger quite on it, but there is something about you. Finally, it was Jonah that spoke up and said, you, you don't even really have to draw straws, but what you need to do is just throw me overboard. And undoubtedly, those men tried to convince him, we're not going to do that to you. But Jonah was so adamant. He said, no, just throw me off this ship and I can assure you that the storm will stop. And uh, those men looked at each other and said, this guy's a few french fries short of a happy meal. He wants us to pick him up and throw him off the boat. Uh, but Jonah was so persistent. He said, do it and watch what's going to transpire. And so sure enough, they picked him up and they threw him overboard. And as soon as his body hit the water, the storm stopped raging and the waves quit roaring. And while Jonah was paddling in that water, the Old Testament said there was a great fish. Jesus said it was a whale that came and swallowed him whole. 
imagine being on the inside of a whale's belly. That's a worthy Instagram post right there. Anybody want to check out and guess where I'm at? Huh? Theologians say that the acid inside that whale's belly would disfigure his skin and discolor it. It would begin to peel away the hair on his head, the hair on his arms, and the hair on his legs. And, and while he was on the inside of the whale's belly, Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 10 tells us that the Lord spoke to the fish. See, whenever I quit listening to the Lord, he'll start speaking to my circumstance and my situation because he's going to get you where he wants you to go. Because when God spoke to that fish, that fish changed course. And it went and it spit him up on the coast of where else but Nineveh. And so Jonah covered by all the fluids you could envision. And his skin is not looking human. He's moving different than he was before. He decides without security and without bodyguards and without an entourage, he's going to walk down the main street of the most vile, wicked, and unrighteous city. And as he began to walk down he opened his mouth and began to declare, God said, unless you repent, he's going to destroy this entire city. Now, would you believe that the entire city fell on their face and began to repent and began to pray? I don't know if the young people saw him and thought they were in a zombie apocalypse because what he was looking like, but everybody did the same thing. They started to get right with the Lord. And so Jonah became a legend in their culture. There'll never be a prophet that can turn and an entire city like the prophet Jonah until Jesus stood up in Matthew chapter 12 and said there's somebody standing before you today that's greater than the great prophet Jonah himself oh hallelujah huh? So Jesus kept on and he began to speak about Solomon. Solomon, the son of the legendary David. King, the one that the Lord appeared to in a dream and offered to give him anything he desired. He simply had to ask and God wouldn't withhold it from him. And Solomon asked for wisdom to lead the people. And the Lord was so pleased. He said, not only only am I going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you understanding. And I'm going to give you riches. So there'll never be a king that can compare to the riches that you possess. And did the Lord ever come through on his word? Solomon became rich. Solomon had gardens. He had pools. He had orchards. He had singers. He had butlers. He had maids. First Kings 10 and 22 says Solomon had apes. He had peacocks. He had horses. He had camels. Somebody said Michael Jackson had his pet giraffe. Solomon had his own zoo. You got your own zoo. You got more money you know what to do with. 
word started to spread. You've got to go and see the kingdom that Solomon has built. It got all the way to the queen of Sheba. And she said, I've got to go and I've got to see it for myself. Now, when she arrived, this was her response in 1 Kings 10 and 5. She said, I saw the meat of his table. I saw the sitting of his servants. I saw the attendance of his ministers. In verse 7, she said, Thy wisdom and thy prosperity have exceeded the fame of which I heard. She said, I heard you were wise, but when you opened your mouth and spoke, you spoke what I was thinking in my mind. You spoke what I was considering in my heart. I heard you were rich, but when I saw your treasure, I saw the silver and the gold. I saw the jewels and the diamonds and the precious stones. And so Solomon became a fixture that there'll never be a king that can compare to Solomon. There'll never be a king that can be what Solomon was until Jesus stood in Matthew chapter 12 and said not only is there one greater than the temple and not only is there one greater than the prophet Jonah but there's one greater than King Solomon himself. Oh, can I preach to us tonight? And Psalm 24 and 8 said, Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Verse number 10 said, Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of of glory. Jeremiah 10 and 10 says, but the Lord is the true God. He's the living God and he's an everlasting king. There's nobody like him. There's nobody that can do what he can do. There is no substitute for him. There's no monarch like the king of kings. There's no politician like Zion's righteous governor. There's no superstar like the bright in the morning star. There's no religious leader like the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. He's everything you can imagine and more. He was Adam's redeemer, Abel's vindicator, Abraham's sacrifice. He was Noah's ark, Jacob's star, Joseph's dream, Gideon's captain, Samson's strength, Joshua's champion, Deborah's authority, Esther's integrity. He was David's music, Solomon's wisdom, Micah's mercy, Malachi's messenger, Isaiah's Isaiah's prince, uh, Jeremiah's balm, uh, Ezekiel's wheel, and Elijah's fire. There's nobody uh, that is great like him. Oh, he is everything to me. There's an old song that said, he's my father, he's my mother, he's my sister, and he's my brother. He's my tranquility in the times of worry. He's my serenity in the times of anxiety. He's my stability in times of adversity. He's my harmony in times of disunity. He's my consistency in times of unfamiliarity. Uh, he is great, uh, and you cannot stop him. These men should have known, but they were just one in a list of many that tried and were unsuccessful. 
The Pharisees tried but couldn't trap him. Sadducees tried but couldn't outsmart him. Politicians tried but couldn't outwit him. Crowds tried but couldn't sway him. Society tried but couldn't confuse him. Pilate tried but couldn't judge him. The devil tried but couldn't destroy him. Death tried but couldn't kill him. The grave tried but could not hold him. He is able, Ephesians 3 and 20, to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. All I know is when He shows up, anything can take place. Oh, hallelujah. Not long ago, we were in a service and, and the Holy Ghost was moving and God had anointed the singers and the musicians and preached a little message. And towards the end, I felt like the Lord wanted to heal and perform miracles. Gave an invitation for anybody that wanted a touch of God to come down to the front. And different ones started coming down. And as we were praying, this uh, lady in particular came up and she kind of pulled me to the side and looked right at me. And she said, Pray for me. I am deaf. And I had to have her repeat it because I didn't understand her the first time. And she said, pray for me. I am deaf. And I, it started to click that she was the same sister that I saw on the other side of the church. And they were doing interpretation. And she was receiving the interpretation. And, and so we just got together. We started praying and started calling on the name of Jesus. That's the only way I know how to do it. I don't know how to throw pixie dust on you. I don't know how to knock you down, but I do know this. There's a name that you can call on that heaven will snap into attention. There's a name you can call on that causes demons to tremble. Angels will bow down in reverence. Men will begin to rejoice. When you call on that name, sicknesses leave, cancers vanish, tumors disappear. When you start calling on that name of Jesus. And so we finished praying for her and went to pray for the next person. And before we could, I heard a shout started to hear this scream and it was the same sister she started doing a war hoop that's only woo yeah 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 and I kind of look over and she's got her head going up and down she said I can hear I can hear I can hear I can hear you felt faith faith came into that building and in the same exact moment that I felt faith I felt doubt come right in and I, this is definitely out of character for me but I talked to the pastor and made sure it was alright with him he said it's fine I just really felt led I, I grabbed his sister by the hand and we're standing at the front of the church and, and I asked the congregation I said does everybody know who this is this isn't a visitor or a stranger, right? This is not somebody just walked in that nobody's ever met. This is a member in the church. Everybody knows that she's deaf and unable to hear. Yes. So we're going to do something a little different. I said, sis, put your back to my back. And I'm going to look this way and you're going to look that way. And I'm going to take three steps in this direction. You're going to take 
three steps in that direction. I'm going to put my hand over my mouth so you can't read my lips. And I'm going to say a phrase. And the phrase that I say, you're going to repeat it to the congregation. She said, all right. And so I take three steps that way. She takes three steps that way. I put my hand over my mouth. I said, I want you to say this, that God has just healed my body. She turned around. She said, God has just healed my body. And faith started to flow again. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't see faith, but brother, you can feel faith. When it comes into the room, it's a substance. It is tangible. It's like you can reach up and grab it. I said, all right, now we're going to do something. I'm going to walk all the way to the other side of the sanctuary. You're going to walk all the way to the other side of the sanctuary. By now, everybody's paying attention. There's not even anybody checking their Facebook. I'm telling you, I got the attention. I go all the way over there. She goes all the way over there. I put my hand over my mouth. I said, I want you to say this, that God has opened my ears and I can hear. She turned around. She said, God has opened. And I don't know what she said after that. Somebody got out in the aisle started running. Somebody started shouting. They started lifting their hands. All around the house, even grandma, even grandma started boot scooting a little bit. She said, I could... I'm going to tell you what it was. Greatness showed up. It wasn't the speaker, and it wasn't the building, but greatness walked in. And when greatness walks in, anything can happen. When greatness walks in, lives can be changed. Destinies can be altered. When greatness comes in, Somebody ought to throw your hands in the air and worship the Lord for a moment. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we're asking you to speak to us tonight. Oh, hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, it wasn't long after that, and I'm not going to be too much longer. It wasn't long after that, I was, I was driving in my car, and as I was in my vehicle, my phone started to ring, and I looked down, there was a number I didn't recognize, and so I answered the phone, and the voice on the other end said, may I speak to Minister Smith, please? And I said, well, this is he, how can I help you? And he said, well, this is Brother So-and-so from such and such Baptist church, and uh, we are uh, putting our convention together. Uh, churches from all over and the fellowship are coming together, and your name has been brought before the board to come and be one of the speakers. I said, well, it would be an honor. It would be a privilege to come. And, and uh, I didn't ask him if they had the right minister Smith. I said, this is him. How can I help you? <laughs> and, uh, I did. I, I made sure. He said, I know who you are, but we want you to come. And I said, well, it would be an honor to come. He said, well, the theme of the convention is the word of God. So, all right, well, we'll come. And, and so I, I went to the convention. And as soon as I walked 
in, I realized I was way out of my league. I started to notice that there were very well-known pastors in the building and those that bishops of huge churches and other denominations and TV personalities. And I thought, oh man, I'm the one that's sticking out in this crowd for sure. And every speaker that got up, they spoke with perfect eloquence. They did not stumble on their words. There were no uhs or ums. And I noticed that every speaker that got up had their suit jacket buttoned. And I looked down and my suit jacket was unbuttoned. So I buttoned it real fast. <laughs> Try to at least keep up with them. And uh, I was enjoying all the speakers and finally uh, the pastor that came before me and I was to follow after him. And so uh, I was enjoying everything that he had to say, pastor of a large church and Ph.D. and highly intelligent. And, and he was speaking and finally was getting towards the end of his sermon. And he said these words, he said, and while we're here on the subject of speaking in tongues, he said, we know that if anybody speaks in tongues today, it's because they are demon possessed. And I thought, oh, Lord, here we go. Uh, they said, however, it's all right, all right. He said, however, there are some that speak in tongues and they are not demon possessed. They have mental deficiencies and they cannot think for themselves. And by now, I'm praying in my seat. And I'm saying, now, God, you brought me here for a reason. And I don't want to cause problems. And you're not the author of confusion. And so I don't want to come and just go against everything that he just said. What am I supposed to do? And by this time, they're introducing me now. And I'm praying while they're introducing me. God, you're going to have to give me some direction. What am I supposed to do here? And I felt the Lord speak to me in that moment and he said they brought you to speak my word so just speak my word and so if you don't mind you care if I just take maybe five minutes and share with you what I share with them at this convention I came and just gave honor to all the speakers and to the convention and to the board that invited me I said alright in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light. Isaiah 40 and 8 says, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Psalm 119 and 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and they discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. First Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, priests unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Colossians 1.15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things are created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Colossians 2 and 8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of the world, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power. Yeah. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above of every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. <laughs> Pastor, I felt so good I unbuttoned my suit jacket. I thought I might got one shot. I'm going to make it count. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 4.18 And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Acts 4.20 For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Acts 6 and 8 And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Acts 6.10 And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Acts 19 And it came to pass 
that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul being pastor of the upper coast came unto Ephesus and finding their certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues. Uh, when I went to say my next verse, a minister stood up in the back and said, Excuse me for a minute. All right. And I thought I didn't interrupt anybody else when you. <laughs> And I, I just kind of looked at them and they looked at me and looked at all these pastors and bishops and church leaders, officials, and looked back at me and said, I feel something I've never felt in all my minute. Bye, 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 bye. Just start speaking in tongues. God filled them with the Holy Ghost right in the middle of the convention. I'm going to tell you, you better not tell greatness what he can do and what he can do. You can't put him in a shelf somewhere. You can't box him up. You can't tie him down. You can't restrict him in any way. Hey, when God did that, I just got my Bible. I went and sat down. You can't outdo the Lord. So as soon as the convention came to an end, I got my belongings. I was getting ready to walk out the door. And before I could, that same bishop met me. He said, young man, I need to speak to you for a minute before you leave. I said, well, yes, sir. What can I do to help you? He said, there's something I need to tell you. I said, yes, sir. He said, I need to apologize. He said, because it's obvious you are not demon-possessed. <laughs> He never said anything about the mental deficiency, but take your victories where you could get them. He said, you have something we don't have at our church. Could you come and preach to us over at Trinity? And so guess where I got to go? I preach about the power of the Holy Ghost. And this God who is great, he's greater than organization. He's greater than denomination. He's greater than groups. He's He's the God of all glory. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Somebody ought to stand to your feet and lift your hands with me. Oh, somebody ought to stand to your feet tonight. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. If you were encouraged by this message, and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 